What goes on inside the mind of the Singapore consumer? The Kiasunomics podcast series unravels the way Singaporeans behave across different domains like spending, transport, environment, superstition, schooling, and housing markets. Backed by multiple research studies, NUS Business School professors examine the quirks, psychology, and mechanics behind the daily economic decisions of Singaporeans. In this episode of Kiasunomics podcast, let's talk about a very important and relevant topic of sustainability. We are living on a planet we are using the resources faster than ever before. Every generation is depleting our planet's resources at a much bigger pace. We can think about the water table dropping other natural resources like oil, minerals, we are mining them to our advantage. And this is about intergenerational transfers. We are leaving our children with less options to consume because we are consuming most of the resources today. There has been a big push by governments around the world through regulatory changes like the Paris Accord and many others to curb this. There have also been efforts by lending agencies or lending institutions like banks that recognize sustainability as a goal on changing behavior of companies. Finally, we see investors responding to this by saying we will only invest in sustainable companies. But the question is, are consumers doing enough of their part? So in this episode, I'll mostly focus on how are consumers responding. So I'll focus on a few examples from Singapore. One was this campaign by schools in Singapore where they said to the students if they can convince their parents to reduce their electricity usage by 10% or less. The other campaign was by the MRT to encourage people to travel off-peak hours and they they could travel for free or very reduced fares. Finally, there was a campaign that we ran from NUS where we went to the hawker centers and we put banners telling people about saving energy and then trying to study if these banners were having any effect on their behavior by studying the electricity bills of the buildings. So let me start by this simple school experiment. So the schools in Singapore, selected schools, said that if the students can convince their parents to reduce their electricity bill by 10%, the students would be eligible for a price. That doesn't mean they will get a price. They will be eligible for a price. So you can think about this as a very low-cost experiment where they're asking hundreds, if not thousands, of students to convince their parents to reduce their bills, and then at the end of the day, they will give a few simple prizes. So it's a lottery. So what they did is they asked the students to bring in their bill, their electricity bill, for the first four months, And they looked at it, and then they said, okay, 
now we have a baseline on how much your electricity bill is. Can you now convince your parents to reduce your electricity bill by 10%? And if you do and bring the bill to us, we can verify it. Then we can put your name in this lottery and you could potentially win a prize. I can imagine students are very excited, especially younger kids. They want to win a prize. We all do. And they would nag their parents to turn off the air conditioner, turn off the lights, turn off any equipment, uh, appliances that is not being used. So a few of the kids were actually quite successful in convincing their parents for consecutive four months in reducing their electricity bill by 10%. I mean, we would expect that some kids are persistent and the parents are able to listen because 10% is a big goal to reduce electricity by. That's not what I was very much interested in because to me that's a high bar. What I wanted to see is what were the kids who were trying to convince their parents to reduce by 10% but couldn't meet that target, what happened to them? So you can imagine that lots of kids in any given building were telling their parents, please, let's turn off the AC, let's turn off the appliances, uh, let's turn off the lights. But they were only able to reduce the bill by 3%, 4%, 7%, 1%. And so when they brought in the bill, they were not eligible. It doesn't matter for them for winning the prize. But that is amazing because they got no prize. They were not eligible for a prize. And we got electricity savings even by these kids. So what we did is we collected electricity bill information by building by month, and then we are able to look at what is happening of the electricity usage in these buildings that are near these schools that are essentially giving this incentives compared to the buildings that are further away or near other schools which are not giving this campaign, and then look at their electricity usage before the campaign, during the campaign, and after the campaign is over. So the idea is that if this campaign is really working, then there should be some reduction in electricity usage in the buildings that are near the schools that are giving this campaign, but not near schools that are not giving this campaign. So it's straightforward. We can just compare the electricity bills of the buildings near the campaign schools and not near the campaign schools before the campaign and after the campaign and during the campaign. What we find is that during the campaign of the buildings that are closer to the schools, their electricity bill on average drops by around 2%. That's remarkable. I mean, these kids were pushing the parents. They were never reaching the 10%, but we got reduction in electricity even by these kids on average by 2%. Big savings. I mean, from a sustainability point of view, this is quite impressive because we didn't even have to give them any price. They just were saving for us electricity. Now, what's even more impressive is after this campaign was over, after four months, we still find less electricity being used in these buildings that are near these schools relative to the schools that are further away or relative to the bill of these buildings before the campaign started. And the reduction is still on the order of one to one and a half percent. 
Obviously, the further away we go from these schools and look at the buildings, the effect kind of dies away or becomes zero. But the key point is that there is electricity saving by the buildings near the schools even after the campaign is over. To me, that's a very good example of how we can essentially use very simple nudges or very simple experiments for the kids to help save energy. In the same kind of style of doing this work, we did another campaign where we said we worked with the NEA and we put up these large banners in the hawker centers and near buildings, near HDB buildings, that talked about energy savings and if you can save so much energy, uh, that, that will be translating into you buying a chicken rice dinner for the next one year for free. And we put up a lot of these kind of campaign banners randomly across hawker centers in Singapore. So we had these banners in some hawker centers, but not in other hawker centers. And we were trying to look at this before and after. So specifically, we put these banners in around 62 hawker centers, and we put these notice banners for around six month period. So then we wanted to compare what was happening to the electricity bill of the buildings near the hawker center where we put these banners relative to the electricity bill of the HDB buildings away from these hawker centers or other hawker centers that don't have this banner before and after. If you look at before, we compare the electricity bill, they are very comparable. They are the same. The electricity bill of the HTV buildings near the hawker centers that had the banner versus hawker buildings that didn't have these hawker centers that had the banner. But after we put the banner, we can start seeing a drop in the electricity bill of the HDB buildings near the hawker centers that have the banner by almost one to one and a half percent. Now, all we did was just put up some banners in the hawker centers that people were observing. Not necessarily everybody was looking at it. Some people were looking at it and clearly it was going into their mind that let me go home and save electricity, whatever I can. Now, one, one and a half percent electricity saving is quite large. We removed this after six months and we kept observing what was happening to the electricity bill even going forward. And we found there is a, still a persistent effect of anywhere from 0.8 to 1%. So again, in both these settings, using the students, school kids, or putting up banners, we see one to 2% electricity, electricity savings across households that are essentially being treated with this information. Okay, or this nudge you can think about. Clearly, from a household point of view, we can see we can come up with policies that can create sustainable outcomes. The other policy that we had looked at was this MRT off-peak travel incentives. Do they work? Because during peak time, it creates a big rush. It has huge implications on traffic that could have effects on transportation system, that could have, uh, have effects on wastage of resources per se. Now, if we can kind of move people off peak, the flow of traffic will be smoother and that could have huge productivity gains and other benefits. Looking at the data from this experiment, when people move off peak, clearly the train loads go down 
the MRT loads go down. It has benefits for the travelers. It has benefits for the overall system, the MRT system. And we don't see any other spillover effects into the bus system or any other using of the roads. I mean, it's not that this causes more people to drive more per se. It's just people realize by traveling for free in the MRT in off-peak, they benefit. There's some implications that are not clear yet is what does this do to offices? I mean, if you were setting up a meeting that was supposed to happen at 8.30, now some of the employees are taking off-peak and so they're coming up at 9, 9.30. Does that create disruptions at that level? I mean, those are open questions, but clearly right away, the policy seems to be working, helping uh, towards making a more sustainable environment and from a policy point of view, but from a corporate efficiency point of view or profitability point of view, we have not looked at it or thought about it, but it's a very good question, something that clearly we should explore uh, in the future. Till the next episode, we'll stop here. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Stay tuned as we bring you more interesting research-based insights on a wide range of topics in business and economics. Subscribe to our channel now.